All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful to be here today. We are thankful for your blessings, for your love, your grace. Thank you so much for uh, all of the, the volunteers that make what happens at this church happen. Thank you, Lord, for every giver. Thank you, Lord, for every worshiper, for everyone who serves. And, Lord, we now thank you for this word. We ask, oh, God, that you would open up our heart, plant your seed on the inside of us, and may it bring forth fruit to the glory of God, and we'll give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. We've been in Ephesians chapter 5 for the last few weeks. Uh, today I want to start at verse 8. Verse 8, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We started a series a few weeks ago that's entitled Awake, uh, and we want it to be used as something that will wake us up, that stirs us, that acts as an alarm clock to the reality of uh, our situation, our culture, the society that we live in, that as the people of God, we are called, first of all, to a real and deep and personal relationship with God. How many of you know that God wants to know you? He wants to have a real, intimate, personal relationship with you. We've been called to know Him. We've been called to grow in faith. We've been called to bring Him glory. We've been called, folks, to be difference makers, to make an impact, and to be carriers of revival. We are spiritual people, and the spiritual realm is real, and we have to understand the seriousness of that. So we've been called to awake, and we've been called to arise. Awake from sleep and arise from the dead. We've been called to get up. We've been called to take seriously the, the walk of, with God. We've been called to take seriously the mission that we've been called to complete. And folks, it's not just for us. It's for our families, our children, our neighbors, our church, even our enemies. So we have to understand the seriousness of opening our eyes and to call and to recognize what we've even been called to awake to. God's not just telling us to wake up just so we can go and do our own thing. We've been called to awake to what he has called us to. And so we've talked about the fact that to be spiritually awake means that we are aware and that we care. We are aware and we care. And first of all, the first week we talked about that we awake to love, that God has called us to love. It is the one thing that defines us, according to Jesus, as real Christians, is that we walk in love. Secondly, we talked about awakening to holiness, that God has called us to be different. He's called us to show the character of God in a perverse generation that we've been called to love purity, to love righteousness, to love justice, and we've also been called to hate sin. And so this week, we continue by challenging ourselves to awake to the light. Uh, Paul, obviously, in our main passage of Scripture here in verse 14, tells us, Awake thou that sleepest. We've been called to wake up to 
the light. Now, light is extremely powerful. How many of you, and some of you parents may still do it, how many of you remember as a kid your parents coming in and waking you up by turning on the light? That happened, it still happened to anyone? Any parents still do that to your kids? Isn't that one of the like, most shocking events in your life? I mean, you're dead asleep, you're out, like, and all of a sudden, like, Dad used to come in, grab you by both ears, and turn your head back and forth. <laughs> That's right. It woke you up. Woke you up mad, but it woke you up. But I, you know, as much as I hate the sound of my alarm clock, because I'm a big fan of sleeping, as much as I hate the sound of my alarm clock, man, when you turn a light on, it just like sends your body into shock. It's like throwing yourself into cold water or something. You know, you've been asleep. I've been out, and it's, it's kind of like, you ever, had, you ever had surgery where they're just trying to get you in and out? When I had hernia surgery, I, I felt like they were dragging me out the door while I was still trying to get my shoes on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, Mr. Thomas, get up, get up. What? Well, I don't know where I am. <laughs> but that's what it's like when the light comes on. But light, light is powerful. And we all know what light can do in darkness. Because darkness really can be defined as the absence of light. Darkness is defined as the absence of light. You know as well as I do that once light shows up, darkness loses. Darkness always loses when light shows up. And it doesn't even have to be that bright of a light. And what's so powerful about light is, is that the darker it is, the more powerful the light becomes. The more shocking, the more life-changing it becomes. So that's the encouragement that God is giving to us as a people of God. We look around us, and yes, the world is getting darker. And folks, it's going to continue to get darker. Jesus didn't say that the world was going to get better and better. He said it's going to wax and worse. This thing's not getting better. The prophet Jeremiah said, cheer up, it's getting worse. I mean, that's kind of my, that's kind of my interpretation. His prophecy was, cheer up, folks, it's only going to get worse. When we look around us, sometimes we feel that way. It looks like it's getting darker. It looks like it's getting darker. But that's the beauty. In the middle of the darkness, the light becomes that much more brighter. It shows what's going on. How many of you know that light can reveal things? How many of you know that light shows things that we don't always want people to see? How many of you have ever looked at yourself in the mirror in the morning, and when you left, you're like, you look good? Right? And then you get to work, and you go into the restroom where the lights are a little bit brighter, and they're a different type of bulb, and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you're like, why did I leave the house? Look at me. I don't look like that, do I? Amen. Light is powerful. The Gospel of John says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and cannot overcome it. King James Version says it can't even comprehend it. The darkness can't even comprehend the light. It doesn't even understand the light. Why? Because light dispels darkness. God spoke into chaos in the book of Genesis, he spoke into chaos at the beginning and said, let there be light. And this is how the universe began. This is how life itself began. Do you know that you are actually made of light particles? You're all light bearers. You're all, you're all people who are carrying around light. Light invaded creation and it brought life to everything. John says again that Jesus brought life and that life was the light of men. So that means there is life in the power of light. Now, there's something very unnatural about darkness. We're not really wired for it. Those of you who work shift work, God bless you. You probably understand what I mean. 
that if you work shift work, it takes you a while to adjust to that type of life. Those of you who might have to work graveyard shifts, you understand what I mean. You don't, it, it's not natural for us to work during those times. Some people like shift work because they like being abused and wounded you know, for the rest of their life. Um, some people even like working at night, but it's, we know that it's, we're not wired for that. We have an internal clock that tells us when it gets dark, it's time to shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Some of you got now some of you folks, you like being at home and having one light bulb on in the house at the end of the hallway that's like glowing in the corner. Everybody's pointing at Kelly. You've got, you've got this one light bulb, and you're not trying to save money. You just like it that way. I can't do that. I'm a, light, I'm a fan of light. Now, don't get me wrong. When I'm watching a movie or something, sometimes I like to turn it down. But when I'm home, I want the light on, right? Dad knew that when we were younger. Uh, 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 mom's dad and mom, my, my grandparents, used to say we were a lighthouse in, in the town because we left every light on. It'd be glowing through the neighborhood. My kids are the same way. I mean, if they got to go from the kitchen to their bedroom, they turn the light on in the hallway. I'm like, your bedroom's three feet away from the kitchen. I got to turn the light on. But I like light because if I sit around too long in a room that's all dim, I'm like, Am I right? Does anybody else like that? I'm like, I mean, I could be wired for sound, and the lights are all there, but you just dim the lights, and I'm like, oh, okay, good night. Uh, I didn't know it's 4 o'clock, but I'll see you. Right. Because we're made for light. We're made for light. Our bodies are kind of adjusted to do that. We're kind of, we're kind of told how to do that. Uh, those of you who have newborns you've got to train your newborn to know that right because newborns are like I don't care what time it is I'm going to sleep and then I'm going to be awake when I want to be um amen am I all right Brandon but because of the power of sin unfortunately our nature our spiritual nature is inclined to spiritual darkness even though our physical bodies and our minds are wired in this world towards light our spiritual nature is actually inclined more to spiritual darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. You don't see people most of the time breaking into a house at high noon. Right? I mean, nowadays people don't care. I mean, they do whatever they want. But most of the time if you're committing a crime, you do it under the cover of darkness. Why? Because people can't see you. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so because of sin... Our hearts have become darkened, and our darkened hearts lead us to fulfill the desires of the flesh and the desires of our mind. And it is this darkness that blinds us from the gospel that brings salvation to all. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17, it says this, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness and to work all uncleanness with greediness. Lasciviousness could just be called lust. Well, we've, we've given ourselves over because of the vanity of our minds and because of the darkness of our hearts. See, the message of the gospel is good news, but the good news always starts with bad news. We have to recognize where we are before we can recognize where God wants to take us. We have to recognize where we are before we realize who we've been meant to be. 
And what the Bible tells us is, is that outside of Christ, before Christ, before coming to the light, our hearts are darkened. We are trapped by the vanity of our minds. We are past feeling. In other words, we, when, the, when we don't recognize who we are in the, as the people of God, we will follow wherever our desires lead us. And so because of that, our hearts have been darkened. Romans tells us that this, darkened, this darkness began because of man's denial of God as God is sovereign. He says in Romans chapter 1 that mankind knew God but glorified Him not as God. But instead of glorifying God, they glorified creation. And that's what ha- happens in idolatry. That's what happens, folks. Once we push God out of our life, we will just find something else to deify. Once we push the reality of God out of our life, we will find something in the created universe to deify. That's why people that, that, that don't believe in God will wrestle with the idea of where the universe came from. Because something doesn't come from nothing. If something comes from something, then something had to exist. So we recognize that once we push God out of the picture, we will deify something else. But this also leads not only to, not only to, does our heart become darkened, but it leads to a darkened lifestyle. And I want to read Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 24, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. This is not a passage we normally hang on the refrigerator, but it's one that we need to hear. Wherefore God also gave them up. I don't know about you, but that is a scary statement. God gave them up. Now that passage of scripture is not saying that God gives up on people, but that does mean that God will let you have what you want. God will let you go as far as you want to go. He gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, what we were just talking about, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Parents all say amen to that one. You missed the whole list, but you'll say amen. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. See, once our mind and our heart is darkened by sin, it continuously leads our lifestyle to a place of destruction. Make no mistake about it, folks. Sin will always take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It will always start out as a small compromise. It will always start out as just a small step in the wrong direction. And the next thing you know, you will find you in a place you never dreamed you could end up. You will find yourself doing things that you never dreamed were possible. This is why our hearts must be awakened by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts, according to Scripture, is so darkened that we cannot even make the decision to come to God until He awakens us. Our minds are so alienated, our hearts are so darkened that the only way we can come 
is if the Spirit of God draws us. Jesus said, no man comes unto the Father unless the Spirit draws them. You don't get up one day and decide to be a Christian. It doesn't work that way. We respond to the call of the Holy Spirit. And this is the beginning of our hearts awakening to the light. Because we are bent towards darkness, because our nature is bent towards sin, we must be awakened by the light. I know some of you are thinking, Mark, are you ever going to stop preaching about sin? Eventually. But it is the seriousness of what we've been called to, isn't it? I mean, Jesus said it's so serious, folks, that if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. For it's better to go to heaven with an eye missing than to go to hell with your whole body intact. So what is the light that we must awaken to? All light has a source. There is a power that sends the light on its journey. It comes from somewhere to some place, traveling at 186,000 miles a second which means that light can go around the earth about seven and a half times in one second. That's pretty fast. The light source that we must turn to is the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 130 tells us, The entrance of thy word does what? Giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your word gives light. Where God's word goes, there goes light. You take a look at any developing nation in the world that the gospel has made it to, and you will find light there. Any developing nation, even underdeveloping nation, where the gospel is being preached, you will see education levels go through the roof. You will see the treatment of women and children go through the roof. You will see, you will see success, and you will see, actually, uh, you will see money. You'll see prosperity. Why? Because where the gospel goes, goes light. Where the gospel goes, goes light. We must understand the power of the Word. First of all, folks, the Word is a person. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the greatest. Jesus is the greatest manifestation of the mind and the heart of God. He is the embodiment of the message that God wants the world to hear. Jesus is the greatest revelation of who God is and what God desires of us. You want to know what God is like? You want to know what God wants for our lives? Look at Jesus. Philip, he said, Philip, have I been with you so long that you don't understand? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I don't speak but that which I have heard him speak. I don't do except that which, I, which he has told me to do. You want to know what God is like? Take a look at Jesus. That's why the Bible says he is the Word made flesh. He's the greatest communication that God has ever given to the world. The greatest evidence of the existence of God is the fact that Jesus lived on this planet. Jesus, the Bible tells me, is not just a light in the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He's not just one option among many. He is the light of the world. So first of all, the Word of God is a person. Secondly, we cannot separate Jesus from His words. We cannot accept the person of Jesus, yet reject the words that He has spoken. And many times we see that happening in the day and age that we live in. Oh, we love Jesus. We love the fact that He's a loving shepherd. We love the, the fact that He loved all people. But then when He says, woe unto you, well, that part gets kind of scratched out, doesn't it? We, we want to receive all the, the good things, the fuzzy Jesus, the fluffy Jesus, right? We see that, I think I mentioned this before, we see that picture of Jesus, the great shepherd, holding the, the sheep 
in his arms. And we're like, oh, that's me and that's Jesus. He's loving on me. And what we probably don't realize is that sheep, that shepherd just broke his leg. The reason why the shepherd's holding the sheep is because it keeps running off. And so the shepherd finally breaks its leg and holds it until its leg heals so that it connects itself to the shepherd. There's times Jesus might have to break some legs. I'm not talking about the mafia. But sometimes he's got to do things in our life to break us and bring us to himself. See, God has revealed to us his will and his purpose through the written word of God. And to submit our hearts to the lordship of Jesus is to submit ourselves to the scripture and what it reveals to us. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words, Jesus' words, will never pass away. The grass withers and the flowers thereof fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. His word will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent forever. O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So to awaken to the light is to awaken to the word of God. Folks, we must stir our hearts to be people of the Word. We should read it. We should meditate on it. We should memorize it. We should apply it to our lives. We should obey it. We should love it. We should believe it. We should speak it. It is the light of the world. And it is this light that literally brings us life. If you're not reading your Bible, read your Bible. If you're not memorizing your Bible, memorize your Bible. If you're not meditating on it, meditate on it. We talked about Wednesday night. That we talked about Christianity on Monday. In other words, that who we are as Christians has to go past Sunday morning. And I said the first thing we can do to be Christians on Monday is to remember what was preached on Sunday. Take what we hear and meditate on it. Chew on it. Fight with it. Disagree with it. Pray over it. Ask questions about it. Rejoice over it. Let the Word of God be your wrestling partner. It is not afraid of your questions. It's not afraid of your doubts. It's not afraid of your prayers. The Word of God stands forever. Let it speak to you. Let it challenge you. Let it convict you. Let it make you mad. Let it make you happy. Let it heal your heart. It's the Word of God. So to awaken to the light of the word means that we awaken to two things. First of all, we awaken to truth. Jesus said we are sanctified by the truth. His word is truth. We are sanctified, set apart by his truth. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You have been made free by the word of God. You are free by the word of God. Jesus is the truth. He's not a truth. He's not an example of truth. He is the truth, which means he's the greatest revelation of truth to the world. So to awaken to truth is to awaken to the truth of God's Word. Now, we all need to understand, folks, that Christianity is defined by Scripture. It's based on unchanging truths. There are new ways of doing things. There are new ways of reaching people. There are new ways of doing church. There are new ways of doing ideas. But it's the same gospel message that saves the lost and brings them to the cross. It's the same Jesus, the same blood. It's the same need to repent and turn to him by faith through grace. We have to recognize that the message doesn't change, but how we do it may change. Because we want to reach as many people as we possibly can. But Christianity, folks, can't be whatever we want it to be. It is what it is. Once we start basing our Christianity on something other than the Word of God, it's no longer Christianity. It's our view of Christianity, but it's no longer Christianity. We must awaken, folks, to the truth of God's Word. And that means sometimes we've got to awaken to uncomfortable truths. 
Uncomfortable truths like we are sinners in need of a Savior. That God is holy and just and therefore will judge sin. That there is a wrath stored up for those who reject the truth and walk in darkness. But we also awaken to the many beautiful truths in the Word of God. That Jesus still heals and Jesus still saves and Jesus still delivers and Jesus still sets free and God still answers prayer when it's lifted up by faith that there is a heaven and an everlasting kingdom awaiting for those who belong to him. And on this place, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passes all understanding. There are beautiful truths in the word of God, but we got to receive the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Help us, God. So at the end of this, it's not my truth, and it's not your truth that matters. It's his truth. And in a world so full of relevant, uh, relevant ideas, it says truth is just relevant. Tra- truth is relevant to my circumstance. If it's true to you, then that's fine. If it's true to me, then that's fine. We don't have to agree. The Bible does tell us that there is an absolute truth that we must bow our heads to and say, I will awaken to what the Word of God says. To awaken to the Word means we awaken to truth. Secondly, it means we awaken to wisdom. The entrance of his word, the Bible said, there brings light and it brings knowledge. Folks, God wants us to know. He wants us to know so much that he took the initiative to reveal himself. We can't know God unless he takes the first step. He's beyond our knowledge. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Knowledge used correctly is wisdom. So once we know and we start doing it, We are walking in wisdom. When we learn the Word and apply it, we're walking in wisdom. I'm telling you, folks, if you live the Word of God, you'll look smarter than you are. This this passage here encourages us to look carefully how we walk. And how do we look carefully? Learn to walk in wisdom. We are to avoid living foolish lives by walking in the wisdom of God's will for us. That's why, folks... Young people especially, but adults, we don't, we, we always, there are some of us in here that we only learn the hard way. Oh, yeah, you think, you know, I know better, so I'm going in headlong like a fool, and then we learn, right? I know better. We need to, that's why the Bible tells us that we need to apply, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. We only got one life, folks. Right? There's a, there's, a, there's a Twitter page, there's a Facebook page, there's a website called Darwin Awards. And the Darwin Awards are about people who have made really foolish decisions and in some cases have taken themselves out because they've made foolish decisions. And sometimes that's the kind of lifestyle we live. It's like we put ourselves on the edge. Watch me. Hold my beer. You ever heard that saying? Yeah, that, that means I'm about to do something stupid. Somebody's drunk. Hold my beer. I'm about to do something stupid. Unfortunately, a lot of us are doing it sober. When do we apply ourselves to wisdom? <laughs> wisdom leads us to discernment. And discernment is the ability to see the right and the wrong, to distinguish between the truth and the lie. Folks, there are a lot of truths out there. There's a smorgasbord of religions and philosophies and ideas and lifestyles that are available to us. The world is always going to preach its own message, its own way of seeing things. Wisdom based on the truth of God's word allows us to walk in the discernment needed to avoid the pitfalls of an unbiblical, ungodly worldview. It helps us to see when the political machine is getting hot and loud. It helps us recognize and discern between good and evil. 
Paul reminds us of who we once were. He says you were darkness. He didn't just say you were in darkness. He said you were darkness. Your nature was darkness. Your thoughts were darkness. Your actions were motivated by darkness. We were darkness. Then he reminds us of who we are. You are children of light. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the grace of God, because you have been redeemed, you are now children of light. So go walk like it. Go live like it. Go live like children of the light. So what does this look like? There are four things I want to share with you, just to let you know where I am. Four things. What does it look like to walk as children of the light? Number one, the fruit of the Spirit. It says there in verse 8, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So that means light walkers are those who bear the fruit of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That means they rejoice and love and live in everything that is good and right and true. That means walking in the light means we walk in character and we walk in integrity. It's standing for righteousness, not because it's popular, but simply because it's right. When we walk in the light, we stand for what's right simply because it's right, because we recognize that God has called us to love righteousness. And to walk in the light and bear fruit means that we rejoice in holiness. We rejoice in a life that shows forth the character and the integrity of God. See, here's the thing, folks. We can do things behind people's back, and they don't see it. We can do things and compromise in little small ways and think that nobody notices. But you know what happens in the light? Everything gets noticed. Everything is seen. God sees our hearts. He sees what we're doing. And so we rejoice in holiness, not when people are watching. We rejoice in holiness when we're by ourselves, when we have to make our own decision. And decide which direction we're going in. To walk in the light is to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. To, to, to awaken to the light also means that we awaken, as I said, to the wisdom of God's word. To walk in the light means that we recognize that wisdom. But the fruit of the Spirit then leads us to number two. We awaken to pleasing the Lord. Those who desire to walk in the light are those who desire to please the Lord. And pleasing the Lord sometimes, folks, will put us in conflict to the world around us. When Peter and and the disciples were dragged before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, they were told not to preach in that name anymore. Don't preach in that name. I like how they say that because it's not like they were even mad about them preaching. They just didn't like the name. They just didn't like the Jesus part. And unfortunately, a lot of churches have gotten to that point. We do a lot of preaching, but we leave out the name. But they said, don't preach in that name anymore. And Peter said, hey, listen, whether it be right to obey God or to obey men, you decide. But we cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and which we have heard. Peter said, I know you don't like it. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to listen to it. And I understand. It didn't make me comfortable either. Right? Peter had a few encounters with Jesus that weren't too comfortable. I mean, Jesus called him Satan. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said, no, no, Lord, you're not going to die. We'll fight to the death. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to be called Satan by the Son of God? The Word in flesh said, you are Satan. Peter said, I know it's uncomfortable, I know it's challenging, I know you don't want to hear it, but we can't help 
But speak what we have seen and what we have heard. Why? Because we've been called to please the Lord. Paul even tells us that if we live to please men, we cease to be the servant of Christ. That the fear of man is a snare. And the fear of man doesn't mean that we're afraid of people. The fear of man means that we are more concerned about what people think about us than we are about what God thinks about us. And if we are going to walk in the light, we're going to live as children of the light, then our heart must be bent on pleasing the Lord. So let it be said of us like Enoch. That when they talk about our testimony, we have this one testimony. We pleased God. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that Enoch walked with God. Genesis said, and then he was not. Don't know, we don't really know what happened. Enoch walked with God, and then he wasn't. Can you imagine the story of that? Where, where did Enoch go? Well, he went for a walk. Haven't seen him since. Can you imagine? You're taking a step, and your next one's in heaven? He was, and then he was not. We don't know a whole lot about Enoch, but Hebrews tells us that he had this one testimony. He pleased God. He pleased God. Let that be said of us, that at the end of my life, I pleased God. You may not be famous. You may not get a star on the walk of fame. Everybody may not know you, but you're famous in heaven. The Father knows you. What's it look like to be children of the light? We bear the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, we please the Lord. Number three, we take no part in the darkness. I know we keep going back to this subject of holiness, but this is what ties into walking in the light. This passage says that the works of darkness are unfruitful. They bear no life-giving fruit. The works of darkness only leads to a fruitless life. It leads to a life that eventually will leave us void and empty. Because the Bible tells us that, that uh, we use the phrase, there's, there's pleasure for sin in a season. And what that passage is coming from, again, is from Hebrews chapter 11, that Moses chose to suffer with the people of God. Because remember, Moses was born in Pharaoh's house. He was a prince of Egypt. Moses was born in Pharaoh's house. He could have chosen the wealth, the fame. He may never have been actually Pharaoh, but he would have had the fame. He would have had the money. He would have been taken care of for the rest of his life. But Moses chose to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, that season could have been the rest of his life. Unfortunately, a lot of us, we make decisions to enjoy sin that lasts for 30 minutes. What does it profit a man, folks, if we gain the whole world, but we lose our souls? What does it profit if we continuously run after the things that the world offers and we lose what we've really always needed in the first place? We are called to holiness. We're called to live differently. We are called to come out from among them and be separate. The works of darkness should not even be once named among us. That's what the Bible says earlier in this chapter. There shouldn't even be a hint of these things, but unfortunately, they do seep into the church. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus commands us to pray, lead us not into temptation. I don't know if you know this or not, but the easiest way to overcome sin is to not put yourself in a position to sin. Lead us not into temptation. God, don't take me where I know I'm going to be tempted. Don't hang out with the people that are going to take you where you don't want to go. Don't be looking at what you don't want to look at. Be accountable to someone. 
Why? Because to love the light is to hate the way of sin. It's damaging. It's destructing. It's draining. It will kill us. Walking in the light means that we stand against the darkness and anything that it does to try to snuff out the light of God's truth. It goes back to wisdom. It goes back to having discernment because you know as well as I do the devil is going to take the word of God and try to twist it. He's going to try to tell you that God doesn't want the best for you. He's going to try to tell you that God is trying to keep you from enjoying something or, or not having fun or whatever. He's going to lie. The enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. It's what he does. So we have to have enough wisdom to recognize that, you know what, I'm going to take no part in the darkness. And then number four, living as children of light, and this was, is the tough one. It literally reproves the darkness. After we prove what is acceptable unto the Lord in this passage of Scripture, in verse 11 it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake thou that sleepest. Reprove it. As I said before, light exposes things. It reveals things. Once you turn the light on, you find out that your room was dirtier than you thought. How many of you have ever changed a light bulb and recognized, man, I need to dust in here? Right? You turn the light on, take the lampshade off, and like, oh, put that back on. All right. Right, because light exposes things. We see things that we didn't see before. It, it sh- and that's why the light can be uncomfortable. And that's why coming into God's presence, though in His presence there's fullness of joy, many times it starts with a ser- sense of uncomfortableness because something's being exposed in us. Jesus is the light of the world, but then He sends us forth calling His church the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Why? Because Jesus is in you, because the message of the gospel is in you. That means that our lifestyle and our message should shine the light of the truth to the world. Our message, what we speak, and how we live should show people the light of God's word. When we speak truth to the darkness, it will be reproved. The word reprove here means to admonish someone with the truth so that that person is convicted of their sin. That's pretty powerful. And that means that sometimes, folks, we can't dance around issues. We can't water down what the truth says. We can't be ashamed to live and to speak the truth, even when it's unpopular. Even when the world looks at us and says, well, you know, God loves everybody. Why can't you just get over it? Right? Why do you have to be so condemning and so judgmental? It's not condemning and judgmental to speak truth. For a matter of fact, speaking truth is the greatest act of love that we can possibly show. If we don't tell people the truth, we don't love them. We don't love them. If we dance around issues, now, don't get me wrong, there are some people that rejoice over the fact that they can be aggressive and that they can be confrontational and get in people's faces and all that kind of stuff. And that's why the Bible says that we speak the truth in love. If we are not motivated by love, then our motivation is wrong. I don't care what you're saying. Matter of fact, what you're saying will lose its authority because you don't love. In a lot of cases, people don't receive truth until you show them that you care. John Maxwell thinks the one that made popular the phrase, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If they don't know you care about them, they don't care what you know. 
If you don't invest in people's lives, then what you speak doesn't carry as much weight. But when you love people and then tell them the truth, it's the greatest act that we can possibly do. And that can be uncomfortable, and that can bring us to a place where people will call you judgmental or condemning or a bigot or something of that nature. I understand that. But we have to be, hold fast to the word of truth. The Bible says in Revelation that he, they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of their testimony. But it doesn't just stop there. And they loved not their lives even unto death. They said, not only have we trusted in the blood of the Lamb, not only have we continued with the word of our testimony, but we recognize even if the word of our testimony sends us to our death, we will still speak the word of our testimony. That means to love the light is to care for people, to be accepting of everyone. But it does not mean that we have to affirm everyone and affirm every lifestyle. To love someone does not mean that we may accept them. The church can accept anyone who wants to come and hear the gospel, anyone who wants to come and fellowship, anyone who wants to come and learn and grow. But that doesn't mean that every lifestyle is affirmed. It doesn't mean that we coddle sin or we act like it's no big deal. Eventually, we have to hear truth. And you know what? Sometimes truth is hard, which means we must stand with it even when it offends. How many of you know that truth can be offensive? Huh? I mean, if your hair's out of place and somebody tells you the truth, hey, your hair's out of place. It might make you mad, but your hair's still out of place. It doesn't change the truth, right? <laughs> truth by its very nature can be offensive. Now, don't get me wrong. Somebody's saying, hey, you look nice today. Shouldn't be offensive. For some of us, it might be. What? Can't believe you said that. But truth by its nature is going to bring us to a place where we don't always want to hear it. And that's why a lot of people think, well, because you love me, you should be okay with whatever I do. I don't have to be. I don't have to be. Right? Sometimes love is hard. Sometimes that means love has to speak to someone and say, hey, man, either make the decision to, to do something about this or we're going to have to move on. Love sometimes, yes, to love someone in their good times means we also love them in their mess. But there also comes a time where we have to recognize, folks, you've got to see that unless you hear and respond to the truth, there's a time in our lives where we can get cut off. And that can be offensive. That can hurt. But sometimes love. Paul told the, the Corinthian church, there was a guy in the Corinthian church that was having an affair with his stepmother. And Paul said, how in the world are you allowing this to happen in the church? He said, throw the guy out. And we don't hear that anymore, do we? We don't throw people out of church. Oh, you can't throw someone out of church. Yeah, you can, actually. Yes, yes, you can. Throw them out of church. Why? Because maybe this will wake them up. He even says, give them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. What? Why? Because, and we find out in 2 Corinthians that that young man is restored back to the church. And I'm not saying that that's what did it, but you know, there are times in our life where the truth must force us to come to a fork in the road. And if we don't tell people the truth, many times they will continue to walk in the darkness that they're walking in because they don't know. 
darkness keeps us in ignorance. It keeps us in the dark. So when the light is spoken, it brings truth and it reproves. So let us be challenged to awaken to the light. To let the light of God's word bring truth and wisdom to our hearts. Let us be the children of light in a dark world. Because if we don't awaken to the light, folks, the darkness wins. So awake to the light. Overcome the darkness. Be the people whom God has called you to be. You are not meant to be overcome by darkness, but to overcome darkness with the light of God's word. Let's bow our heads here this morning. Father, we are grateful for the word. We're grateful for the truth of the word. We're grateful that the Word of God reveals to us who you are and what you want from our lives. We're asking you now, Jesus, that you would expose us, that you would, that you would reveal to us who we are and who you are. That, Lord, you would draw us to your grace and to your mercy. That you would draw us, O oh God, to your purpose and your plan for our lives. The Lord, every dark place in our heart, we pray that you would find it, that you would expose it, that you would bring it to the light, not that we may be embarrassed, but that we may be made free. Free! Free to walk in your purpose. Free to walk in your design. Free to be who you've called us to be. Thank, thank you, Lord, for the light. Lord, help us be children of the light, unashamed and unafraid to walk in the truth, to walk in wisdom, to bring forth the glory of God in our life. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name.